This is Truth, Justice, and Hope, the podcast that explores the modern era of Superman and Superman-related comics. I'm Grant Richter, and this is Episode 7. Welcome back to the show, guys. This episode, we have finally made it past all of the stage setting. We have established Lois and Clark and John in the New 52 universe. The We have established our Clark as the only Superman of that universe, and we are now ready to get fully into Rebirth. This episode, we are going to talk about DC Rebirth number one, which is a one-shot Superman Rebirth number one, which is a one shot and also kicks off the Rebirth era Superman series. And then we're going to talk about the first action comics issue of the Rebirth era, which does not get its own one shot, but jumps straight into the series with a legacy numbering of number 957. And I am super excited to get into these issues with you guys as always. But also, as always, I have some thoughts from here at the Fortress of Solitude. And this is the first installment of the segment that's actually going to talk, uh, are going to cover uh, current events and not just something that happened to me on Twitter, but it was something I did see on Twitter yesterday and it was the announcement that as of uh, uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, I forget what the next number in the series is, but the next one that comes out as of this date and currently right now is October 12th. So the October issue of this series, I believe, we are going to get the revelation that John Kent, uh, the now main Superman of Earth in current continuity, is going to be coming out as bisexual, which is pretty cool. Um, he's going to be having a relationship with the uh, the young male reporter that was... Uh, introduced in this series. I forget his name, uh, but he does have an alias of the truth as kind of a like gorilla, like G G U E R I L A reporter. Um, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a progressive you know, news site. Uh, he's got pink hair. He's got glasses. He's very cool. Uh, I forget his name. I'm sorry. I don't have it in front of me. Super professional. But I think this is a really interesting development for the character. And, you know, as I mentioned on Twitter when this news came out, you know, as a humanist, I believe that everyone deserves love and happiness, even fictional characters. And, you know, I believe that everybody deserves representation. So I'm super excited for my friends in the LBGTQ plus community that are going to find representation in this new development for John. And it's pretty great. 
but unfortunately, because we do seem to live in the darkest timeline, it seems, uh, you know, there are many people who are unhappy about this, and that's really sad. And as much positive feedback as I'm seeing online about this, I'm seeing an equal number of negative feedback. Um, even, even elected politicians and people who are running for elected office are coming out against this uh, new development for John. Um, they're decrying it as, you know, some people are decrying it as as an agenda, and some people are, you know, decrying it as a perversion. And you know, how dare there be sexual relationships in comics when? You know, we've had much more explicit things just with, you know, Batman and Catwoman in the last year. Hey, the crow is outside my window. Say hi, by the way, <laughs> if you guys can hear it. Um, but, um, yeah, that it's really upsetting. And it doesn't even make me angry anymore because there's there there is not much point in getting angry uh, in and of itself because it just exhausts me. But it does make me sad. And. Um, you know, I was fortunate, you know, I, I had some positive things to say about it. I didn't get any negative feedback on my timeline, but I'm seeing where a lot of people are. But that being said, if you haven't spoken out in favor of this and assuming, I'm assuming if you listen, if you are listening to me, you are of, you know, a progressive, if not at least liberal mindset and that you are in favor of it. And, um, you know, you you don't have to be of the LBGTQ community to be in favor of this revelation. You know, I'm I'm your stereotypical heterosexual middle white middle aged white male, and I think it's great. You know, more more power to Tom Taylor for doing this. More power for the book. Um, but yeah, I there are a lot of negative voices coming out against this. I encourage you to be. A voice in favor of it, you know, make your thoughts heard um, on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever you spend your time online. If you do so, um, you know, tweet at Tom Taylor, let him know, hey, I think this is a great decision, Tom, you know, tweet at DC Comics, you know, even even though it's, you know, for them, it's an it's an economic decision. It's not a it's not a social you know, involvement decision for them. It's money. But it's still a good decision. You know, they can. They can be the anti-villains of this as long as they're doing the wrong thing. You know, if they're doing the right thing for the wrong reason, you know, great. As long as they're doing the right thing, who cares? But, um, you know, I, I think this is a really good move on DC's part. I think it's a phenomenal move on Tom Taylor's part. He's even been on CNN as of today. So I, I think his, his status as official comic book legend is now cemented. But yeah, this is a really good move. I'm really excited about it. I hope you are too. And if you are, I encourage you to make your voice heard and, you know, let, you know, let the world know this is, this is a good thing for you too. And hopefully our positive voices will eventually drown out the negative ones. So with that being said, let's get on to some comic books. Okay, as I mentioned, we are going to start with DC Rebirth number one. Now, the main cover of this book is by Gary Frank. It is a wraparound cover, and the front cover image is of Superman, Batman, 
Wonder Woman and just slightly behind them, The Flash, reaching kind of Michelangelo Sistine Chapel-like for a hand that is reaching out of kind of a, a blinding lightning storm. And then behind them is Hal Jordan, Aquaman, Supergirl, Starfire, Batgirl, Shazam, Jessica Cruz, Martian Manhunter, Cyborg, uh, I think I said Starfire, Green Arrow, and then behind Starfire, that might be Beast Boy's hand, I don't know. It's pretty good cover. Um, the alternate cover that comes with the digital copies by Ivan Reyes. I always never know how to pronounce his name. It's R-E-I-S. So I'm just going to say Reese, just to be easiest. Um, and it is also a wraparound cover. The back cover has two hourglasses with... Uh, one of them has the Golden Age Justice Society. The second one has the Bronze Age uh, Justice League plus Cyborg, which is interesting. And then the main, the front cover has a bunch of heroes bursting out of a shattered hourglass. And we have um, pretty much all the heroes that are on the front cover plus John Kent plus Damian Wayne plus Wallace West and Harley Quinn. Oh, and Simon Bass. And it's a pretty good cover. I like it a lot. Um, it is interesting on both covers. We only see Superman in costume from the waist up because they. I don't think they were quite ready to reveal the changes to his costume yet. Now, um, like I said before, I'm not going to go super deep into this one because Superman's really only on like one page. Um, it's mostly a Wally West story, somewhat of a Batman story. It's about uh, Wally finding his way out of the speed force or the interdimensional limbo or whatever happened to him uh, that's kind of kept him out of uh, circulation during Flashpoint. And this is the original red-haired Wally West in um, a costume that is very, very similar to his old uh, Kid Flash costume. It's a pretty good story, um, but we're not really interested in that. There is a neat little bit with um, Johnny Thunder in a uh, retirement center. Um, and he has dementia, and he thinks that uh, Wally appearing to him in a burst of lightning is his old Thunderbolt genie, which is pretty neat. Um, let's see, and then we've got something with Ryan Choi, and then we've got something with Dr. Fate and Blue Beetle, and then the Lanterns. And then the new Aqualad, and then, um, um, then Pandora getting killed, and some lady, some naked lady in like blood uh, sigils giving birth to like baby Darkseid, which is interesting. Um, and then we have a scene where is the 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 site of New Fifty Two Superman's death. It is in a field out in the middle of nowhere, and there's a bunch of heroes around. And there's fire trucks and there's ambulances and there's news crews. And we have everybody that was there when New 52 Superman died. So we have Wonder Woman and Supergirl and Steel. But also there's Captain Atom, Black Canary, Shazam, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Starfire, Raven, Martian, Manhunter, Firestorm, and Green Arrow. And they're all... Oh, and also Vixen, and that might be Steve Trevor, that might be the the guy from Suicide Squad, I don't know. It's some, just some regular dude in kind of government badass body armor. 
But that's all we get about that. And they're, they're just talking about how new super, new 52 Superman has died. Um, there's very few. Uh, the whole thing is narrated by Wally in, um, in caption boxes. And it says, someone's died, Superman or dot, dot, dot. I can't see him clearly for some reason, but I can feel what they all do. And everyone, of course, is in mourning over that Superman's death. There's a little bit about Green Arrow and Black Canary, how they don't really know each other in this reality, but they can feel a connection to them. Then we get our two pages of Superman. So we have uh, Clark and Lois and John uh, remember that their house got destroyed by Denny Swan in the death of New 52 Superman arc. So they are at the Siegel Motel, which is pretty fun. And they are deciding what to do. They're regrouping. Uh, John is watching news coverage of New 52 Superman's death. Uh, Lois is very concerned that John is, he's asking a lot of questions, which is not unreasonable. Um, he, but he's, um, you know, she's very concerned about John. And Clark is saying, uh, since we came to this world, things have been different. Some things have been the same. But he feels that patterns are starting to emerge about how he died fighting Doomsday. And now this Superman died fighting Swan. And Lois uh, theorizes that new 52 Superman might come back from the dead the way that Clark did. And Clark says he hopes so. You know, he, he wants his what he thinks of as, as now as his brother to come back from the dead. And so he's going to go check it out. He leaves the, ho the motel room. He's walking down the little walkway. And then he turns, someone uh, says his name from out in the shadows. He turns and there we have a man in a green hooded robe holding a sickle-like staff. And he knows that Clark is Superman. He knows about John. Clark says, who are you? He says, who I am does not matter, at least not yet for what you, for now, you can call me Mr. Oz if you like. Now, we are not going to go, I'm not going to spoil who this person really is. That will be revealed, I think, in about a year's worth of publication time from now. It'll play a big role in everything from 2017 through, I want to say, at least 2019. Um, but the, I, I will say that, uh, the name Mr. Oz is a red herring. Um, this was originally set up to make fans think that this was Ozymandias of Watchmen because, um, as I will mention shortly, um, there, they are setting up a Watchmen connection, but it, this is not Ozymandias and we will, we will go into exactly who it is when we get to it in the books. Um, but Clark asks him who we who who he is or what does he want. Now, when we get a close up of his face, it is partly hidden in shadow. We only can see the right side of his face, his right eye, his left eye is in shadow. That will be significant later. Um, let's see. Uh, and Mr. Oz says he wants to tell Clark something in the wake of this tragedy. You and your family are not who you believe you are, and neither was the fallen Superman, and then he disappears. And that is really all the Superman content we are going to get from this one-shot. Again, it is a good story. It is, uh, but these those two pages of Superman stuff 
are going to set up a long running arc that is going to go through both the main Superman title and Action Comics building up to Superman Reborn, which, uh, again, I believe came out in 2017. Uh, and again, is a delightful story. I really, really like it. Um, I don't want to go into why. I don't want to go into details about what it is, but it's a really fun story. Um, and again, the last page of the main uh, story of this book is of Batman finding, um, what's his name, the comedian's bloody smiley face button in like a little uh, crevice in the wall of the Batcave. And then we get a shot of... Uh, I think it's supposed to be Mars with a watch assembling itself. It is, uh, uh, I think, Barry Allen's old watch or Raleigh's old watch. And then and it is reset. And the way it is done is to make it look like kind of the um, a cross between the, the watchman button and a clock hand or a clock face. So that's it. Um, oh, there is another. Uh, there is a kind of a splash page uh, uh, fold out on the back where it has a ton of um, Rebirth heroes. There we get our first look at Clark's new costume. And it is very similar to the traditional. It is It does not have the armor-like appearance of the new 52 Superman costume. It is, it is a, it's obviously not supposed to exactly just be cloth though. It is of a somewhat glossier material. It has cuffs at the end of the sleeve, which I think are a nice touch. Um, it has blue boots with a slight bit of red at the top. It does not have trunks. It has a belt-like pattern around the waist that is red. Um, it doesn't connect all the way. It's like the, the buckle is separate from the rest of the belt. So again, it's not really a functional belt. It's just a pattern that helps break up the blue. It's pretty good. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, I wasn't a fan of it at first because I think the red of the trunks breaks up the blue uh, better than just that little splash of red at the waist. And I think the extra bit of yellow of the belt of the traditional costume also helps. But um, I have come to appreciate the Rebirth costume and we are going to find out more about uh, Superman's adventures, Clark's adventures in the Rebirth era in just a moment as we get into Superman Rebirth number one. Stand by. Superman Rebirth number one is written by Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. It is penciled by Doug Mankey. It's inked by Jamie, or Jaime Mendoza. It's colored by Will Quintana and lettered by Rob Lee. The main cover is penciled by Mankey. And it's an extreme close-up of Superman flying toward the reader with his fist outstretched and his eyes crackling with uh, heat vision energy. It's pretty good. What it reminds me of, and I have a, a lot of mutuals on Twitter who are huge fans of Smallville. Um, I watched it myself back in the day. Pretty great show. Um, but they also enjoy the the comic book uh, that, that furthered the adventures of the show after the show itself ended. And the main cover of that is, um, is the show's version of 
of Superman and Clark flying towards the camera in a very similar pose. So that's what it makes me think of every time I see it. The alternate cover is by Andy Park, and it is a full body shot in his new costume that I described earlier. It is pretty great. And again, the, the color work really highlights the, the more slightly textured aspect of the costume. I think it's supposed to give the impression of that, that kind of textured look that the Man of Steel Snyderverse uh, costume worn by Henry Cavill has. Um, and again, it is a darker shade of blue and is of a somewhat glossier material. There's no real background. It's just Superman hovering above the DC logo with a white background and then the Rebirth logo behind him. But still really good cover. It's a really good look. It's a very realistic uh, interpretation of the face. It is pretty nice. But we open with a one-page flashback getting us caught up to where we are now from the events of the death of the new 52 Superman with uh, Denny Swan destroying the Kent's house and then Clark in New 52 Superman fighting Swan, Swan exploding, New 52 Superman absorbing the energy and then dying in the process and pretty much crumbling to to dust. From there we go to where Clark is at New 52 Superman's memorial site and I think uh, it's in Metropolis. It's in kind of like Metropolis's version of Central Park, where it is a huge Superman logo. Uh, looks like it's made out of either metal or concrete, and there's kind of a reflection pool around it that is also in the shape of the shield with some lights coming up out of the pool, and it's very nice. And um, Clark is uh, in his black uh, stealth suit. He still has his beard. And he is going to be breaking into the memorial site. And there is an underground access area to the site. Uh, Clark goes down there, and that's where he finds Lana Lang, also trying to break in. And she sees him from a distance. Uh, the only light she has is kind of this headlamp that she's got on. And these uh, this kind of energy force field that separates the access tunnel from the main chamber that's under the site and she's got like a acetylene torch and she's using it to try to break in there's like this lock thing oh no she is actually it looks like she's actually carving the superman symbol into part of the tunnel and she sees clark from a distance and from the light she can see him in shadow and she can see the s insignia on his chest from her vantage point because of the distorted light, it looks like the traditional Superman logo colors. And so she runs up to him. She cries, Clark, runs up, gives him a hug, and then instantly realizes that it's not her Clark. And he says, I'm sorry. He says, Miss Lang, I'm afraid I'm not who you think I am. She looks very disappointed. And man, I really, really like Mankey's pencils in this one. He does such a good job with facial expressions and just showing subtleties of you know, someone not speaking, not being overly dramatic with their faces, but giving just this incredible look of disappointment on Lois's face. And so they are, let's see, he, she calls him out for pretending to be Superman. He says, I'm not pretending to be anything. It's a very confusing situation. And, uh, you know, he, he is trying to let her know that he is just as much 
of the of the Superman and the Clark Kent that she knows just also very very different and she asks him what he's doing down there he says he's waiting she says waiting for what and he says he's waiting for her Superman to come back to life she argues with him and he says that he has faith that he will come back to life and let's see she says that she's down there keeping a promise uh, to bury Clark beside his parents in Smallville back in Kansas. And let's see. And he says he is asking her to be patient. And she says, well, why do you, why do you think, why do you believe so strongly that he's going to come back to life? And that's when we get this amazing uh, splash page. There's a flashback to our Clark fighting doomsday back in the pre-flashpoint timeline and it is amazing i'm absolutely going to throw this up on twitter it's just everything about it's it's superman and doomsday rushing at each other with a car being crushed in the background and rock exploding and this fire in the background and everything about it just screams pain and dynamism and doomsday's rage and clark's determination it's really, really great. Um, one thing I really love about this is I like the subtle redesign that Mankey has done on Doomsday. And again, it's very, very subtle. Um, something that always bugged me about the old Doomsday design, and this is no knock on Dan Jurgens or whichever one of the Superman book art, uh, team artists came up with the final design for Doomsday, but it always felt a little bit clunky. And I, I think that's more of a sign of the times than it is of any of their artistic talent. Because, you know, that was back when shoulder pads were really big, so Doomsday had these big, you know, bone shoulder pads that just stick out sideways. And the 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 bone protrusions stick out of his face always felt kind of awkwardly placed and the way the little knuckle almost claws on the back of his hand there I don't know just everything about it was just a little slightly off Mankey's redesign tweaks it just slightly and adjusts the placement of the spikes a little bit adjusts the length of them just how they're positioned on his body and it just looks a million percent cooler and it maybe is just a more modern art style uh, but I don't know it looks really really good and um, he also gives Doomsday more of like a like a floppy mohawk as opposed to kind of like that top knot that Doomsday had back in the day and it's great so we get several we get a couple pages of the fight through Metropolis, we get the scene of Lois holding Clark's body with the cape flying like a flag in the background. We get the scene of Superman in the regeneration chamber. We see him coming out of the um, of the 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 war suit. I was well, I kept trying, trying to call it a battle bot. It's not a battle bot. It's a war suit. And then we see him standing up, covered in that like regeneration chamber amniotic fluid and standing up in the black resurrection suit with the wide collar 
and the silver wristbands and the silver insignia and the long hair and um you know it, it's where he's listening to the people that around him talking about that the cyborg superman has blown up coast city and he's targeting metropolis and clark stands up he goes metropolis over my dead body which is directly from towards the end of reign of the superman reign of the superman and it is a great great panel it's a great shot of long hair black resurrection suit clark i know a lot of people hate the hate the long hair i hated the long hair back in the day too not during the end of the rain because i always thought it looked really good with the black suit i really disliked it once he got back into the regular superman suit and that's why i stopped one of the reasons i stopped reading superman back in the day after reign of the superman i've really come to appreciate it now I don't know why. I think I just like that era. I like the stories in that era. And I associate the long hair with the mid-90s. And I know the mid-90s are kind of one of the most reviled eras in comic book history. But I really, really like 90s Superman. I like the long hair. I like the blue energy phase. I like all of it. And so this is just a fantastic bit of reimagined nostalgia. So Clark goes through all that to explain to Lana how, because he came back, it is possible that her Clark could come back too. <clears throat> and, you know, she's still convinced. She says, I, I feel it in my heart that he's gone. And uh, Clark says that they'll just have to agree to disagree. So he digs his fingers into the Superman symbol that's on the vault. And I, I said a second ago that, Maybe Lana was carving the symbol into the vault. I, I, I think that was incorrect. I think she was trying to break into it using the torch. But he just digs his fingers and yanks the, the front off. And he reaches inside and grabs New 52 Superman's remains. Because basically they are ashes. He, he crumbled to ash. And she... Uh, again, Lana wants to take the ashes back to Smallville... But Clark is going to take, wants to take them to New 52 Superman's Fortress of Solitude. The only problem is he knows of its existence, but he doesn't know how to find it without following New 52 Superman. But she says, it's luckily that I know how to find it. And he says, how do you know? He, she says, I don't know how I know, but ever since he died, I just know, which is setting up some stuff for the Superwoman title. And I, I think I've mentioned this. I'm probably, I'm not going to go deep dive into any of what I consider the ancillary books of the Superman line. Basically, if it doesn't have Clark in it, I'm probably not going to talk about it much, but I'm at least going to skim Supergirl, Superwoman, and New Superman. And she, of course, will be the main character of Superwoman. And so uh, Lana pulls a Marion Ravenwood and says, you know what, you're taking me with you because we're, I'm your, she doesn't say, <laughs> she doesn't say it how Marion says it in Raiders, but she says, because now we're partners. And they go to the Arctic. Now, I need to <laughs> express my thoughts on the Bendis run of Superman for a minute. It's going to be a while before we can get to it. But I'm not a huge fan. 
Uh, <laughs> I did not like his run on action comics very much at all. The whole secret mafia thing I thought was a little boring. Um, I didn't like um, the thing with Leviathan. I did not enjoy that. I kind of liked his main Superman book because I thought the Rogals are story was pretty good, even though it does seem kind of meandering. Even though, and but I love uh, Reese's artwork on that. But the thing that bugged me most about it, and I know a lot of people say, "Oh, I don't like that they age John up," and I I think it's fine. I you know, like I've said, you know, I I, I like where they're going with John now that Taylor's taking it and run with it. You know, if, if, if John's going to be an adult, I like the direction they're going with him as an adult. That doesn't bother me. The thing that bugs me the most of what Bendis has run is that he took the Fortress of Solitude from the Arctic to the Bermuda Triangle. And I know that's stupid, and I know that's trivial, but I've been in Florida for the past six years now, a little over six years. Uh, my family and I moved down here out of necessity to help look after her parents. We are not hot weather people. We, we do not like we do not like it. I'm very much a cold weather person. If anyone who's followed me on Twitter for any amount of time, anyone who's listened to my Captain America podcast uh, that I did a few years ago will know I'm a cold weather person. I think the you know like the Arctic variant of any '90s action figure is the peak of action figure goodness. <laughs> so I love the Fortress of Solitude being the Arctic. I hate it being the Bermuda Triangle. I hate the I hate the Fortress of Solitude being a few hundred miles off the coast of Florida. And for those of you that live in Florida that really enjoy Florida, more power to you. It's just not for me. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. So they're in the fortress and the fortress lets them in because it recognizes Clark as a Kryptonian. And they go in and um, Lana says, what are you looking for? And he says, we're looking for the regeneration matrix. There was a confluence of events that occurred to help bring me back to life. And one of them was the fact that I was placed in the regeneration matrix. So he has the, the very war of the world's looking um, forces robots, or they kind of look like the, the hunter robots from the matrix that live down in the, like the sewer tunnels in the, in the real time. But they're kind of like these floating squid-looking things. And um, they the robots are unable to detect the regeneration matrix. So, you know, that is one of the different things about this universe is that the universe pre-Flashpoint had a regeneration matrix. The New 52 uh, universe does not. Um, and so he, they're coming, uh, he, he comes to accept the fact that uh, he won't be able to bring New 52 Superman back to life. He accidentally pulls up the recording that New 52 Superman left for Supergirl that said, I'm, I'm dying. By the time you read this, I'll be gone. I need you to carry on my legacy for me. And even though the message was directed to Kara, I know a lot of people say Kara. I've always said Kara. I know they say Kara on the show. I've just always said Kara. So that's probably how I'm going to keep saying it. And but he he takes it as as also being directed unintentionally to him as needing to carry on his alternate self's legacy. And that's when Clark notices for the first time 
that New 52 Superman not only had a statue of Jor-El and Lara holding up a globe of Krypton, but also of Ma and Pa Kent holding up a globe of Earth. He says, why didn't I ever think of that? So he finally comes to grips with the fact that the Superman of this world is dead and he cannot bring him back. He's going to help Lana keep his promise. And he goes with her to the Smallville Cemetery where they are going to bury the ashes. Um, sadly, in an unmarked grave between Ma and Pa Kent's headstones. And he comforts her before he leaves and says, I just want you to know that two young Clark Kents on two very different worlds were very lucky to have Lana Lang in our lives before he flies off. So he goes back to the Arctic, and then he erects another statue of New 52 Superman between Ma and Pa holding up the globe of Earth. And then we get a close-up on his face as he smiles and said, all that tomorrow was missing is Superman. And the box says, and the adventure continues in Action Comics number 957. So I'm going to pause for a sponsor break, and then we will come back to cover just that very comic book. Action Comics number 957 is written by Dan Jurgens with art by Patrick Zercher, colors by Tomeo Mori, and it is lettered by Rob Lee. The main cover is by Ivan Reese and Joe Prado, and I really like it a lot. It's kind of a um, collage, not collage, yeah, it's a collage of images, and it's Superman in his new costume in the front, holding up the Action Comics logo, which has been carved into a giant boulder. To his uh, left, we have Luthor in his new Superman armor, which we will see more of momentarily. We have Lois, we have Batman and Wonder Woman. On Clark's right, we have uh, plainclothes Clark, which will be interesting in just a moment. We have John in his Superboy kind of zip-up hoodie. Well, it's not a hoodie. It's like a zip-up sweatshirt with a cape, which I don't think we'll actually see until uh, Superman number one, which will be our next episode. And then spoiling the contents of the issue is Doomsday with his, uh, that green goggled mask thing half ripped off. And I love everything about this cover. Oh, there's no background, by the way. I love everything about this cover except for the fact that Doomsday being on the cover spoils the surprise of Doomsday being in the issue. But hey, guess what? Doomsday is in this issue. There is an alternate cover, and it is by... I forget her name. One second. It is, I believe, by Sonia Obach. It's a really neat cover, too. It is Superman flying toward the reader... But it's as if the reader was standing on the streets of Metropolis looking straight up. So you have the buildings rising up around him uh, with a, a blue sky with just enough clouds and the sun right behind him. It's a really, really cool cover. I like it a lot, too. So this issue is already off to a great start. So we open. We're in Metropolis. And Maggie Sawyer. Yay, Maggie Sawyer. And the Metropolis Special Crimes Unit. One of my favorite things about 90 Superman is uh, staked, well, not staked out. They are uh, geared up and they are staged outside of gen uh, Genetic Cron, um, some kind of 
uh, lab slash office building. And Jimmy is there too as a photographer and reporter on the scene. Um, she's telling him to stay back. Uh, let's see. And she tells him there are a number of gunmen inside. So we go inside the building and we see the gunmen and they have all this battle armor on and they have face plates. They kind of remind me of what, um, oh, what's his name? What Deadshot's costume looked like in the um, Suicide Squad movie, only with different coloring. And they've taken several people hostages and they're waiting for the power to be cut, which is part of the standard procedure, they said. And as soon as the power is cut, the leader of the gunman says, okay, we've got 20 seconds until the generators kick in. And then from off panel, a voice says, not that it will matter. And they look up and there is a glowing S symbol. And uh, the, the voice, the person who, uh, the, the wearer of the symbol, whose face is still off panel, says it'll be all over by then. And a pair of heat beams shoot out and melt their guns. And then this figure rushes forward, smashes into the gunman. One of them says his ribs is broken. Uh, Maggie and Jimmy outside can hear screams. And it's like, is that the hostages? And Maggie goes, uh, no. And our next page is a splash of Lex Luthor in his new Superman armor with a glowing S symbol on the chest hovering above the street holding a gunman in each hand very much feels like an homage to that panel of kingdom come with kingdom come kingdom come superman uh floating above the street looking down disdainfully at the reader holding a bad like several bad guys in each hand and lex says lex luthor has everything under control from there we jump to upstate where Lois and Clark and John are moving into their new house on a new farm. And I really, really like this. This did not make, <clears throat> excuse me, this did not matter to me the first time I read it. Uh, but the, I love the fact that they are quote unquote upstate because I don't think Metropolis has ever quite given an exact location, you know, just like Gotham and Coast City and all that. But they're are obviously supposed to be, you know, Gotham is supposed to be like Chicago and Metropolis is supposed to be like New York City. And so that means that Lois and Clark and John are now in upstate New York, which I will be moving to very shortly. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm excited that I will be living more or less. I mean, upstate New York covers a lot of territory, but, you know, I like that I'm kind of be living in the same general part of the same state as as the Kent family, which is really cool. So they're moving in and Lois is getting on the John because instead of stopping to help, he's trying to unpack his video game system. And she, he's like, but I don't understand with dad's super speed, he could have all this done in a few seconds. And Lois and Clark are like, that's not what the powers are about. They're about responsibility. They're about helping people. Clark says it means we don't take the easy way out. We're here to protect and and he looks off to the side and John says, Dad, look, because again, John has the TV all hooked up so he can play video games. And he points at Lex on the TV. He goes, he's wearing your shield. 
and Lex is saying on the TV, Superman, our brave and noble protector, is dead. He died in service to, all, to us all. A city so majestic and grand as Metropolis cannot go unprotected. So I pledge to you, here and now, I, Lex Luthor, will be your, will be your Superman. And so Clark goes running up the stairs. He reaches into his bathroom drawer. He grabs a piece of polished metal. And he uses it to reflect his heat vision off of to shave. And I think pre-Flashpoint, that bit of metal was a piece of the uh, birthing matrix that brought baby Kal-El to Earth. Don't quote me on that. But it, it always, it's got to be something more than just regular you know, mirrored, uh, mirrored metal. Excuse me. <clears throat> But, you know, the fact that he has access to New 52 Superman's uh, Fortress Solitude would mean he probably has plenty of access to stuff like that. It may be new, a piece of New 52 new fifty two Superman's spaceship that brought him to Earth. But he zaps the whiskers off of his face. And I've always thought it's interesting that the only time Superman's hair has ever, we've ever seen it grow uh, significantly was... In Reign of Superman, when it, it grows, when he's in the regeneration matrix, it did grow a little bit during Exile. We never see him cut his hair, because man, that's that's got to be a a feat of of heat vision reflective acrobatics to get <laughs> to get that done. And Clark's hair always looks really good too. So, I've always just uh, my head canon is that his hair the hair on his head just doesn't grow very much. But, you know, whatever. Um, but Lois is like, you know, is this really worth coming coming back out and going public again? And Clark says, you you and I both know Lex. He, he inflicts chaos wherever he goes. And she says, that was the Lex of our universe. You've investigated him. You didn't find anything. And Clark says, I'm not willing to take a chance. Yes, he may be on the up and up. But I am not willing to stand by and potentially let him tarnish my reputation and the reputation of basically his brother. He, he thinks of New 52 Superman as his brother at this point. And so he opens his dresser drawer and gets out his new suit. And then we see him take flight in his new suit, new suit for the first time. As he says, Metropolis needs a real Superman. And John's on the ground outside the house going, go, Dad, go. Back outside of Geneticron, <clears throat> excuse me, one of Maggie's officers is talking to her and says, the weird thing is that the gunmen in the lobby didn't even know why they were there. They were intended to be a distraction to keep the attention off of uh, to keep the attention on the main lobby. And as they're saying this, we see on the Genetocron building, more of these goons have loaded some coffin-like shape onto a hovercraft. And of course, while all this is going on, we also see that Mr. Oz is watching everything on monitors from wherever it is that his base of operations is. Now, interestingly... Lex is spending so much time showing off to the public that he doesn't notice all this going on on the roof. And he's talking about how 
the new 52 Superman made the ultimate sacrifice. And he's actually saying that not only is he wearing his symbol, but he's wearing new 52 Superman's actual cape. Now, he, how he got a hold of that, we don't know. But then again, Lex has almost unlimited resources, so just about anything is possible. But as he's talking to the crowd, Clark shows up. He says, you are not Superman, I am. And Lex thinks he's an imposter. He says, you look like him, you sound like him, you're older, you're more confident, but you're obviously not him. Meanwhile, the goons are making off with the coffin in the hovercraft. And one of the goons says, whatever it inside of it, it whatever is inside the coffin is moving. So Jimmy calls to the planet and t- tells Perry he needs to get a reporter down there ASAP. Meanwhile, Lex and Clark are still having this debate. Uh, Lex says, you are an imposter. And Clark says, you are evil. They cannot come to an accord at the planet. Perry says, somebody needs to get on it. We see yeah, someone run out of the room. All we see is, the, is their legs. And they say, I'm on it, Perry. And Perry says, that almost sounded like, nah, couldn't be. So meanwhile, Clark and Lex are still debating. Lex says, I'd be happy to go somewhere with you and talk. And Clark says, right after you take that symbol off your chest and give me the cape. Lex says, never. Clark reaches out with speed to grab the symbol off of Lex's chest, at which point Lex's armor zaps him. And Clark says, ah, you made the first move and punches Lex into a bus. Now, from our past few episodes where we talked about the Lois and Clark miniseries, I mentioned several times that that was a Clark Kent who is making choices that don't quite line up with how we normally think of Superman. We think of Superman as being very rational. We think of him not letting his emotions get the best of him. And we're not seeing that here. We didn't see that in Lois and Clark either. Now, this might be explained as we get a little farther down the line when we get to Reborn. I think that is the case. And again, I'm not going to spoil what Reborn is all about if you haven't read it. But for those of you that have, you might know what I'm talking about. So while uh, Superman and Lex are beginning their fight, someone shows up on the street and says, what's the situation, Jimmy? Jimmy Jimmy turns around and there in a shirt, a tie, and glasses is Clark Kent. Not our Clark, who's up there fighting Lex, but Clark Kent, which everybody knows in this universe can't be possible because everyone assumes that Clark Kent and Superman are the same guy. Because remember, the new 52 Lois outed Clark's secret identity. So this, you know, sounds like something that may work in our Superman's favor because now it is debatable as to whether or not Clark and Superman are the same guy. Oh, and also while all this is going on, Lois and John are watching it on TV and John's saying, I thought Dad wanted to stay secret. And Lois says, true enough, honey, but we always knew the day would come when Daddy would have to reveal himself to the world. Sometimes we need to do what's right and accept the good or bad that comes with it. But you can also tell from Lois's body posture that she is very concerned about this decision that 
Clark has made to reveal himself. So a lot of fighting continues. Um, while all this is going on, the uh, uh, excuse me, Mr. Oz is still watching from his secret citadel. One of the goons in the hovercraft is saying the coffin is starting to open. Whatever's inside is free. The stabilizers are, are freezing up because they can't handle the rocking motion. The hovercraft explodes. Something comes crashing down. And then that something rises out of the rubble. And it is in the full green overalls and goggled mask bodysuit. It is doomsday. And again, it is an awesome looking splash page. Now... It would have been much more effective if the main cover didn't spoil it, but it's still a really cool scene. You know, it's kind of like watching the Star Wars prequels. You know, you know that what's-his-name is going to become Darth Vader at the end of the movie, but it's uh, <laughs> the quality of the prequel movies notwithstanding. It's still kind of an interesting journey. So this was a really good issue. It is no secret that I absolutely love Dan Jurgens as a Superman creator. I love his work in the 90s. I really liked Lois and Clark, and I'm enjoying this. And, you know, we, we're seeing a side of Superman we don't always see in these issues. Again, this is not necessarily Superman who always is making the smartest choice. And it's, it's somewhat humanizing. It's... Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Your your take on Superman notwithstanding, because again, this is the this came out around the time. This would have been around the time that Batman versus Superman came out, and so the the public live action, you know, uh, current idea of Superman was the Henry Cavill version, was the uh, the Zack Snyder version, and whether you like it or not, that was a Superman who was not perfect. He you know, let his emotions get the most of him. He made um, maybe decisions that weren't the smartest. And, you know, again, I think that was, in Snyder's defense, I think that was his attempt to humanize Superman. Some people liked it, some people didn't. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm midway between. I don't like those movies. I, excuse me, I don't hate those movies. I also don't love those movies. I like them just fine. I think they're pretty good, but I don't, I'm not a devotee either. But anyway, um, yeah, I really, really like this issue. I love Patrick Zercher's artwork. I first um, noticed his stuff. Uh, for those of you that have followed me for a while before this podcast, I am also kind of an aficionado of Marvel's Cable, <laughs> which is about as far from Superman as you can get sometimes. Um I'm less of a fan of Cable than I used to be, but I, I'm, I still consider myself quite an aficionado of that guy. And Zercher did the artwork on um, the Cable and Deadpool series that was out in the mid-2000s. It was written by Fabian Nissiez, and I still really enjoy that series. But yeah, it looks great here. Um, I like the fact that he's not only penciling, but he's also inking his own work. Uh, I don't know if he does his art digitally now, but whether he pencils it and inks it, or if he does the whole thing on a tablet or whatever, it still looks pretty great. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed seeing Maggie Sawyer again in the Special Crimes Unit, and there's going to be a lot of you know elements from 
uh, excuse me, from uh, the 90s uh, Superman that we're going to see in here. You know, one, obviously, we have Doomsday. We're going to see other stuff from this era as we go through it, which I, you know, as someone who unabashedly loves 90s Superman, I think it's great. You know, your mileage may vary, but I'm very excited about it. So that is our first, our first issue of an ongoing Superman comic for the podcast. Pretty good stuff. That wraps it up, though. So give me just a moment, and I'll be back to wrap up this episode. And that is the show, everyone. That is episode seven. If you enjoyed it, I invite you to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. A five-star review will help bump us up in the algorithms and help more people find the show. If you really, really, really enjoy what I'm doing here on Truth, Justice, and Hope, I invite you to visit anchor.fm slash truth, justice, and hope and click on the support button. Uh, Not only would it show your support financially, but it would help the show come out more often. Once I hit that $20 a month goal, then I will start recording every week instead of just every two weeks. Uh, Feel free to follow me on Twitter at About Superman. And as of right now, I'll be back in two weeks where we will talk about Superman number one. So we will get into the ongoing main Superman book. And we will continue Superman's uh, ideological and physical struggle with Lex Luthor as they face down Doomsday. But until then, remember to fight fear at every turn with an open mind and an open heart. Love you.